Welcome to Off the Beat, the podcast that discusses all things law enforcement from a cop's point of view. My name's DJ Seals. I'm a former detective, crime analyst, and SWAT operator from the metro Atlanta area. Now, I currently work for Motorola as a law enforcement consultant, but this podcast will never be about product or sales, and that I promise you. I came up with this idea because I wanted to have a place where we could have a conversation about current police issues without you, my listener, feeling like you're in a sales pitch. You know, I wouldn't listen to that, and I'm sure you wouldn't either. So, let's take a look at today's topic. You know, this is a kind of an important day. Not kind of an important day, it's quite an important day. Um, because tomorrow, I am uh, sending my oldest son off to college. Gonna be a big day, not too far away, but yet off to college. And I'm quite proud because, you know, he looks at it as that's where I live now. I don't live here anymore. This, I've, I've, I'm an adult. I'm, I'm headed out and I'm going to do this work. And, 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 you know, you've got to be proud of that. And I am extremely proud of him. And, you know, as, as the, the, this week has progressed, I've spoken to some of my friends, uh, one of which, um, a buddy of mine used to be on my SWAT team. He now works for one of those uh, federal agencies. And, you know, he's as concerned as I am with what's going on in, in society. I'm not going to get political either side because I don't care about the politics of it. I just really don't. What I care about is as I send my son off uh, to, to begin his adult life, what is society going to look like as he does that? I was even thinking yesterday, you know, he's going to have some roommates. He's, he's emailed them, but he doesn't know them yet. They're going to talk tomorrow evening. They're going to be sitting in the dorm room. And, you know, if it comes up, hey, what do your parents do? And it comes up, and well, my dad was a, was a cop. Is, is that a good thing in their eyes? Is that a bad thing in their eyes? Does that change how they look at him? It shouldn't. It shouldn't, because some people are bulking all of this together. In all cops are bad. We've talked about that before. And it started getting me thinking, you know, about some words, uh, you know, some words like prejudice. When we think of prejudice, we think of, of color. We think of, you know, race, things like that. But, but let's, let's go to Miriam Webster prejudice. Okay. Injury or damage resulting from some judgment or action of another in disregard of one's rights detriment to one's legal rights or claims. So that's the legal definition. But, but if we go down further, it says preconceived judgment or opinion or an adverse opinion or leaning formed without just grounds or before sufficient knowledge. An instance of such judgment or opinion or an irrational attitude of hostility directed against an individual, a group, or race on their supposed characteristics, supposed characteristics. And and then that got me thinking, well, what if we go over to stereotype? 
ah, stereotype, you know, we, we get into that too, but we immediately again, think of certain things with stereotype, right? But let's look at that. So I went to the Cambridge dictionary for this one, a set idea that people have about what someone or something is like, especially an idea that is wrong. Now I'd never heard that on stereotype where they tag it with, especially an idea that is wrong. And, and, and I read about that and it's because stereotype itself, the word itself indicates an error, an error in understanding. So we have racial and sexual stereotypes. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, that person looks like a, uh, you know, a, a, who knows, right? They, they look like a lawyer. Why? Because, well, they've got a nice suit and a briefcase. Uh, they look like a businessman or, or things like that. But yet everybody can buy a suit and, and everybody can buy a, a briefcase, right? So, you know, as I was thinking about that, it got me going further. And I thought, what, what, what are, is there any work out there on social stereotyping? Like stereotyping, n- not just a group of people, but in general, a social stereotyping. In other words, when do we get to the point where society believes incorrectly, because that, that's the definition we're looking at here, that, that a group is a way because they believe that it's not necessarily true. Nobody's done any research on it, but that's how the group looks. And I, I found this uh, excellent paper um, on uh, social psychology. Uh, and, and I was reading through the paper and, and it really, a lot of it really, really sprung true to me because as we were going into it, it, it talked about the percentage of memory or no memory errors. In other words, you have this stereotype because you had an experience or because you didn't have an experience, right? And, and it says those with memory, right? Uh, 5.78 think they had a memory of it. Okay. No memory, 6.57 of the people who were, who were spoken to percentage wise. Now, it is interesting that the others apparently just declined to, to answer, whatever that is. But, but there we go. The ones who did answer, they don't actually have a real understanding. A, a word that was used a lot through this, through this article was perception, perceived, non-actual. In other words, even the article, even the doctoral article that I'm reading here is based on perception. And the overall perception is perception from someone else. I mean, I think I mentioned this in a podcast in the past, but let's go to policing for a minute. If you grow up in a household that, you know, and, and I, I was in a lot of these households um, where you're there a lot as a cop, you're called there a lot in domestic violence or fighting or whatever it is, but you're, you're, it, it's, it's, as we used to call a free, frequent flyer, right? You're, you're there a lot and you're, you're a kid, you're a young kid and you grow up watching this. What becomes the norm? You know, I had a, I had a young, young child tell me once, um, 
very, very plain faced, very plain faced. When I say young child, we're talking, I think it was first or second grade. And, um, you know, they were, you you tell them what you do, you talk about what you do. And the kids want to talk about what, what their parents do. Well, my, my dad's of this, my dad's of that. And great. My mom does this. Fantastic. That's awesome. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember this one kid walked up to me and he said, well, my, um, my, my, my daddy's away a while. And I said, Oh, he, he, he travels he working. He goes, no, he, he's away. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, do you miss him? No, I get to go visit. Oh, well, fantastic. That's great. Yeah. We, we go down to, uh, this, this town, um, 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 what is it called? Uh, for, for Scythe or something like that near that. And I thought, Oh boy, that's, there's a prison in Forsyth, and, and, and we were just talking, and other kids were talking, and he wanted to tell me all about his dad, and to come to find out, his dad was in prison. And the thing that struck me the most was, he was so normalized to it. Like, dad was just away a while, and he's going to come out, and that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he wasn't shocked. I'm glad he wasn't rock to his core. I'm glad he wasn't acting out. I'm glad he wasn't a, you know, a poor student because of it seemed to be right with the rest of the kids. But then there's a flip side to that, isn't there? There's a normalization. And as we have more people, kids that grow up in a normalization such as that, or even a normalization where the parents are not in prison, but they grow up in the society where every day on TV, there's riots. Every day on TV, there's cops are bad. Every day on TV, whatever it is, is there some type of function there that leads them to the stereotype that all cops are bad? That's what I was worrying about here. You know, I mean, my, my, my son's 18, off he goes, but I have a 10-year-old. And, and you know, he, he asks questions, we talk. Um... Yeah, he's in the other room right now. I said, I'm going to go do my podcast. You, you know, keep, keep, keep your TV down. And so he went out and rode his bike. But it's one of these where, what about his friends? What is he going to deal with as he grows up? Is he going to deal with the stereotype that all cops are, are bad? You know, so then I dug a little bit more. And I, I found an, another very nice article. Um, And it it broke these stereotype, prejudice, and discrimination down. And again, we always think about these as stereotypes, prejudice, and discrimination against uh, underrepresented groups. And that's absolutely happening many times. It, it, It does, right? I mean, we've talked about it. There's bad cops, but let's face it, folks. There's bad people. There's bad people. And, and so this, this definition said oh, stereotype and the function of a stereotype is cognitive. It, it functions as a cognitive in thoughts about people. So stereotype is not theoretical. It's cognitive, cognitive. So basically you, you believe it. You don't just think it, you, you believe it. It is part of who you are. It's part of what you think. And then they got into connection. So what's the connection if you have a stereotype? Well, it's an overgeneralized belief about people that may lead to prejudice. Huh. So it said, and by the way, I'm reading this, 
have nothing against the Yankees, except go Royals. Um, Yankees fans, it says the example is Yankees fans are arrogant and obnoxious. That would be a stereotype. Okay. But notice it said the connection is the overgeneralized beliefs that may lead to prejudice. So drop down, it has prejudice. What's the function? It's affective. It affects you. It affects the feelings about people, both positive and negative. You can have a positive prejudice, if you will. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a, a, a preconceived notion. It's a pre judging pre prejudice pre judging. And so what's the connections? Well, feelings may influence the treatment of others leading to discrimination. So what is that example? Well, I have a stereotype that Yankees fans are arrogant and obnoxious. That leads me to a prejudice that says, I hate Yankees fans. They make me angry. You see where this is going. The stereotype, which again, might not be yours. It could be learned. It could be, hey, I see everybody else. Oh, I hear, because remember the other study. Most of the people did not have an actual occurrence themselves that created the prejudice or stereotype. They, they, they brought it on through others. So Yankees fans are arrogant and obnoxious, and I hate Yankees fans that make me angry. And notice it said prejudice could lead to discrimination. So let's drop this discrimination. It says that's a behavior, positive or negative, toward others. A behavior. Because you can positively discriminate. Sounds, sounds odd, but you can. Right? So it's a connection. Well, it, it's holding the stereotypes that harbor the prejudice that may lead to exclusion Avoid, uh, avoiding and biased treatment of a group of members. So what's the example? So keep in mind, we hate Yankees fans are arrogant and obnoxious. That's the stereotype. I hate Yankees fans. They make me angry. That's the prejudice. And the discrimination is I would never hire or become friends with a person if I knew they were a Yankees fan. And this really resonated with me. I hope it's resonating with you. And I thought we're seeing it today. The stereotype for police is, let's change this. Yankees fans are arrogant and obnoxious. All police are crooked and violent, right? Which leads to the prejudice, I hate police. Which leads to the discrimination, I would never be friends with anybody or have anything to do with anybody that I knew was a cop. Now, I want you to pause for just a minute because I know there's many of my listeners that, that don't agree with me. They're on the other side. That's fine. That's great. I, I, uh, I want you to be here. I've said many times this should be a dialogue, right? And I've also said this podcast is, like I said at the beginning, from a cop's point of view. Do I have a preconceived notion? Yeah. Why? Because I know cops. Federal, state, local. And, and, and. The vast majority, folks, I, I, I've stood in front of, taught thousands, literally thousands of police officers. I have been in hundreds of police departments for days at a time working side by side with these people. So let's take me. I've already said that I, I think this is happening in public and I gave that. So let's take me. Okay. What's my stereotype? M most police are 
just good, solid people that want to help. Can I have a positive prejudice? Yes, I can. Okay? I love my cops. They, they make me proud that they do what they do every day. Do I have a, can I have a positive discrimination? Yes, I can. Okay? If you're a cop and I know that, th- then I already have a brotherhood, sisterhood, if you will, connection with you. I feel that. You know how many times I've gone into a department? They don't know me from Adam. Maybe they've spoken to me before. Maybe they haven't. And I introduce myself. And the next thing you know, it's like the curtain comes off and, and, and the friendship comes. It, they're doing the same thing that I'm doing to them. But do you know how many times that I've spoken to people at a, at a function? Hey, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, well, hmm. Where'd you get into that? Well, you know, I was a detective and a SWAT operator and, oh, hmm. Okay. That's pretty much the end of the conversation. Many times, not all the time, but many times. You can tell those that have the stereotype, the prejudice, and the discrimination. But it was very interesting to me because as I was going through this, I was like, wow, this is, this is two ways. This is two ways because... Yes, indeed, the police can very well say, okay, I'm going to this call, and the call is a, a violent call, and, and I'm, I'm going to ramp up. I'm going to be ready for any violence. And, and, and I get there, and some, in my opinion, usually rookies, okay, who haven't learned to, to, to really be able to control that up and down can go into a situation too ramped up. Why? Because they haven't learned to bring it down and because they haven't worked through that preconceived notion of what they're going to see when they get there. We, we, we can be, we, we can do it too. So, so if society can do it and cops can do it and I can do it and you can do it. So how do we get around it? Well, all these articles have said, there's not anybody in the world that doesn't have some of this, right? About something. It could be a candy bar, for that matter. Like, I hate any candy with coconut. It's not that I don't like flavor of coconut. I, I, don't, I don't like the consistency. Therefore, you offer me anything with coconut, and I'm immediately going to be like, coconut, right? It may be great. It may be fantastic. But but I have a preconceived notion that I'm not going to like it, even though I haven't tried it. Same thing. You have a preconceived notion that all cops are rotten, and I don't want to know a cop until you talk to one. You know, there's a commercial on TV right now, and it's funny. It's one of those commercials that, you know, you don't know if the marketing department did well or not because I have no idea what the product. I'm sitting here right now, and I can't remember what the product's for at all. But it's it's a, a, an African... American female and she's, I'm a this, I'm a that. And, 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 um, I think she's like a, a kickboxer and, and I'm a mother and da, da, da. and she goes, and I'm a cop, but she's in civilian clothes. And, and I, and I don't remember anything about the commercial, but I love it <laughs> because it's true. How many times have we said it in this podcast? You know, the civilians are the police, police are the civilians. The, the uniform comes off. 
We, we have families. We have others, right? So then I thought, well, geez, you know, let, let's look at this a little further. If we're really digging into discrimination, right? And, I, I, you know, sometimes I go a little too far. So here's my warning. I'm about to go a little too far. I'm about to really take this example off, off the chain. But if, if, if let, let's go from the stereotype of, you know, all cops are rotten. Okay, let's do that. Because we're seeing a lot of that. So then we're going to go, okay. I wonder, I thought, what are the top serial killer jobs? <laughs> I told you I was going left here, but I, <laughs> I put a lot of time in this, this this week. What are the top jobs that serial killers have had? I mean, if we're going to get prejudiced toward jobs, how about we get, how about we really get prejudiced toward jobs that spawn off serial killers, right? <laughs> I mean, let's really do it. I was blown away. And this is, this is current, okay? Top three serial killer occupations, okay? Skilled. By the way, it says skilled serial killer occupations. That doesn't mean skilled serial killer. That means skilled occupations where a serial killer came out. Number one, aircraft machinist. Aircraft machinist? Number two, shoemaker or repair person. So you know those in the mall, those little, some of the malls still have them, like the shoe repair bag repair places? Watch out. Number three, automobile upholsterer. But yeah, I was as shocked as you are. Really? And then it went down. It said, what about semi-skilled occupations that spawn off serial killers? Number one, forestry worker or arborist. So that guy trimming your trees, mm, careful. Number two, truck driver. Number three, warehouse manager. Unskilled. It's a little little rough, isn't it? But unskilled serial killer occupations. General laborer, mover or landscaper. Two, hotel porter. Like a bellman. I was a bellman once at a hotel. Maybe you ought to watch out for me. Number three, gas station attendant. Got to watch out for those. And I'm not going to leave this one out. Because some of you have probably already seen it. Top three professional or government serial killer occupations. Number one, police and security official. Yep. Number two, military personnel. And number three, rounding it out, drum roll please, religious official. As I was reading that, were you going, what? Huh? Oh, that makes sense. Hmm. Really? Go back in your head for just a second and be honest. When you went, uh uh-huh, that makes sense. Why? Ever known any of those people that were serial killers yourself? Or you just read about it? I mean, John Wayne Gacy was a clown, folks, at a kid's party. That's not on here. Apparently, it doesn't make the list. What I'm getting at here is the worst of the worst serial killers right here, okay? And you had no idea that they were an aircraft machinist, a shoemaker, or an automobile upholsterer, right? How many of those people have you known? Well, probably not many of those, but, but how many truck drivers do you know? How many people that work in warehouses? How about landscapers? How about a gas station attendant? How about a cop? 
maybe y'all, maybe, maybe they should be discriminated against us because we might turn into serial killers. No. And, and granted, these numbers are small. It's not like there's tens of thousands of these out there, or at least we haven't caught them. But nonetheless, it's a good thing to look at when we're talking about preconceived notions about people. Some of these you went, okay. And some of these you went, ooh, got to watch that landscaper next time. He always looks shady. Got to watch out for those uh, trimming shears. He might take my head off. Why did I go crazy with that? Why did I go over the top? Because the whole thing is over the top. The whole thing is over the top. Think about any other group in society that you would lump together without really any, for the most part, personal knowledge. And by the way, Facebook, Twitter, um, many times even the news aren't personal knowledge. Those are all at least secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, fifthhand knowledge. I mean, there was a report last night that police in Chicago got in a shootout, got called to a man with a gun. They got there, guy matching the description runs away. I'm just, I'm just reading the initial report right now from the news. As they're running away, the guy stops, turns, fires some shots. What do you think the cops are going to do? Stop or all yells, stop again. No, they return fire and they hit the guy. Apparently he ran to his house. He, did, he, he didn't die. Uh, that's what reports right now. He was injured, went to the hospital. Okay. Immediately the neighborhood goes nuts. Comes out, a couple of cops are injured, window, a windshield of a police car is destroyed with a brick. And then people flood downtown Chicago and start breaking into uh, high-end stores, including a Tesla dealership. Okay, why a te- Why any of these? Do they have anything to do with that? Or how about, what? what's the truth? And yes, I know, many of you that are on the other side will be like, Oh, we'll never know the real truth. They'll cover it up. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And, 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 and the earth is flat. Okay. There are bad people in the world. I, I'm not making any judgment on what happened. I'm just reading that. But just from that, how do we get to, let's go downtown Chicago and tear it up. We don't, you don't logically get to that. You logically get to what happened. Tell us what happened. Show us what happened. Figure out what happened. But but even if they figure out what happened and they release it, then many people won't trust it because they have a preconceived notion. Again, cops are crooked. Cops are liars. How do we fix that? Again, I go back to, to, to community policing. It, it's much harder to have a stereotype against a group to be prejudicial against a group uh, or, or, or any other functions like that if you know them. If you know them. I mean, if, if your brother or your sister or your mother or your father is or was a police officer, you probably have a different view of police. Probably. May not, but probably. If you don't know any, it's easier. Remember, Yankees fans are arrogant and obnoxious. I hate Yankees fans. They make me angry. I would never hire or become friends with a Yankees fan. 
right? I mean, I live down here in SEC land, right? SEC football. Go Bulldogs. Georgia, by the way. Not the other Bulldogs. And and I'll tell you, right? It's like I moved into a house and the people that used to live here were, were Alabama fans. And there was crimson everywhere. Ask me how much crimson is left in this house. Yeah. Right? Why? I don't like Alabama. But why don't I like Alabama? Well, probably because they you got you gotta have a you gotta have a bad guy in sports. <laughs> Listen to another podcast the other day, and a guy says, you know, I I had to I I had to have a bad guy in, in basketball. Had to have a bad guy in basketball. So so he 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 didn't like Bird, right? I don't like him. I'm a bad guy. Arr. My team's over here. Can't like Larry Bird. Then he said one day he met Larry Bird. And he went, well, darn. Now I can't hate Larry Bird anymore because he's a nice guy. And he said it totally messed him up. Because <laughs> you got to have a bad guy. But isn't that so true? You don't like Larry Bird. You meet Larry Bird. You go, he's a nice guy. And you go, well, fine then. <laughs> My preconceived notion has, has, has crashed and burned. It's in pieces all over the place. Now what do I do? Come up with another one. That's it. These are just things that, that I was thinking about this week, you know? And to top it off, all of a sudden, then I see an article. And the article is from... Um, Hingham, Massachusetts. You probably saw this. I actually had to look it up because I was certain it was some type of social media trash. But the local fire department there had uh, some uh, had American flag, obviously, uh, on the back of the truck. And on the other side, they had the um, blue line flags. You've seen these, like the uh, support the police blue line flags, right? And uh, apparently members of the community up there said, take that down. It's a political statement. Take it down. It's a political statement. When police became political statements, I don't know. We need to roll that back. But it became a political statement, and the firefighters union said, we're not taking them down. And and then the city said, yes, you are. And they said, you know, you, you, you can't be running around making a political statement. So let's stop for a minute. Let's stop the whole story right there. Should the fire department be flying blue line flags in support of the police? Go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves. Coffee talk. By the way, copywritten, whatever. I'll probably get sued for that. But anyway, coffee talk. Should they be? Should they take them down? Hmm. Now, for one of my favorite broadcasters in the world, but I can't find any recordings of his, Paul Harvey. The rest of the story. Why were they flying the flags? The thin blue line flag originally hung by Hingham firefighters is in honor of Sergeant Chesna, a downed officer from the town of Massachusetts, and they were flying them in his honor for a uh, small amount of time until they were to be taken down and then presented to his family. Your thoughts change at all? Sometimes, folks, it's all about 
the rest of the story. And sometimes the rest of the story is simply sitting down and talking, knowing firsthand the truth. I had to think about that. Pictures online of the officers taking them down, folding them. You know, that struck me because I've been part of quite a few what we call final calls for officers. Uh, quite a few 21 gun salutes for downed officers. I even called the last call for my captain who made me a detective. And I thought about that. It's, it's, it's common to give flag. American, blue line, it's common to do that. It's, it's honorable. Do you think the people of that city that were hollering paused to find out why? Or did they just use their stereotype, their prejudice, and their discrimination? I don't know. I'm not going to say. But it does make me think. The rest of the story. All right. So now let's take a look at some crazy but true police blotter stories. Got some good ones for you this week, and we're going to start in Washington State. Washington State troopers say that during a high-speed chase near Lakewood on Sunday, they were astounded to see that a pit bull was in the driver's seat of the 1996 Buick. No, not not pit bull. Not, not pit bull, the, the bald guy. No, not that. A pit bull. The vehicle was reaching speeds of 109 miles an hour on Interstate 5 and hit at least two other cars before driving onto a trail for cyclists and pedestrians, troopers say. Just driving crazy, says trooper Heather Axman. When police finally stopped the vehicle with spike strips, mm -hmm, the 51-year-old man inside, oh yeah, there was a guy there too, uh, told the troopers that he was just teaching his dog to drive. I wish I could make this up, said the trooper. I've been a trooper for almost 12 years. And wow, I've never heard this excuse. And I've been in a lot of high-speed chases. I've stopped a lot of cars. And I have never gotten an excuse that they were teaching their dog how to drive. Troopers say the pit bull was in the driver's seat while the man steered. The suspect has been charged with reckless endangerment, hit and run, driving under the influence of drugs, no kidding, and felony eluding. And by the way, suspect, not the dog. Uh, the dog was, quote, a very sweet girl and taken to an animal shelter. Germany. A fugitive in Germany has been nabbed thanks to the help of angry wasps. And this is one of those that I wish, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, I'm a little dark here, but I'm, I, I wish there was video of this. A fugitive in Germany has been nabbed thanks to the help of angry wasps. Oldenburg police say the unusual sting operation <laughs> took place Monday after officers tried to arrest a 32-year-old man to serve an outstanding 11-month custodial sentence. We, we call that uh, should have been in jail warrant. The suspect, whose name wasn't released, fled from police and jumped from a balcony straight into a wasp's nest. The insects attacked the man, prompting him to run onto the street. Officers tried to apprehend him, only to be attacked by the wasps themselves. The suspect managed to break free, but with the wasps in hot pursuit, he chose to jump into an inflatable pool where he was arrested. 
All right, back to the U.S. Pennsylvania. An attorney for a Pennsylvania woman charged with drunken driving hinted his client's coat chewing, coat chewing, could have thrown off the results of her breath test. Officer who pulled over the woman testified she was nibbling on her coat before he gave her the test, and he ordered her to stop. Uh, The uh, defendant's lawyer asked the officer if he knew the chemical compound of the coat, noting that certain substances can alter the results of the test. Uh, However, her blood test showed the alcohol level of 0.151, nearly twice the legal limit for drivers in Pennsylvania. The officer says that she also smelled of alcohol and failed a field sobriety test. The judge ruled there was enough evidence to send the charges to trial. It did not say, by the way, what the coat was made of. Because if we knew that, they'd, they'd probably run on those coats because, you know, every high school student would be chewing on their coat during the day. And lastly, Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. An officer in Oklahoma stopped a car with expired tags only to discover that it was stolen. Bum, bum, bum. The surprises just kept coming. A search of the vehicle pulled over in Guthrie on June 26th revealed a gun in the console. Okay. Next to an open bottle of whiskey. You know, that's bad enough. I could just stop. So, so you're, you got expired tags. The car's stolen, which is, is a felony. You're now in possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. And you have an open bottle of whiskey next to the gun. We could stop there. He's an idiot. It gets worse. And no, I'm not making this up. Next to him was a canister of powdered uranium. Uranium. Yeah, you heard right. Mm-hmm. And we could stop there. Be like, this is the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. Expired tags, stolen car, gun, open bottle of whiskey, and a canister of powdered uranium. Period. In the podcast. Nope, one more. And a live rattlesnake in the backseat. And um, I love the... Uh, statement from the police. The, uh, Sergeant Anthony Gibbs actually gave this quote. It was surprising to the officer, obviously. Surprising? That's more than surprising. That's like that's like every square on the bingo card of weird things that happen to a cop all at once. Well, after allegedly joking that he planned to use the uranium to make a mega snake, <laughs> the driver reportedly explained that the material was used with his Geiger counter in order to test radioactivity in metal sold to scrapyards. So, you see, it's not illegal to possess uranium in Oklahoma. And that type can be found and bought cheaply on Amazon. It's only harmful if inhaled or ingested. It's not harmful. Just don't breathe around it. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like COVID. You need something radioactive to test the Geiger counter, he said. So this is one of the best ways to do it. Wow. He was also in legal possession of the pet timber rattlesnake. Oklahoma, you've lost your mind. Legal possession of a pet timber rattlesnake because he has a valid lifetime hunting and fishing license. And it happens to be rattlesnake season. That's the direct quote. Here's what we learn, kids. If you go to Oklahoma, it's totally cool to just run around with powdered uranium. And I'm sure it's probably legal everywhere, but it sounds so weird. 
but it's also totally cool to just simply get a valid lifetime hunting and fishing license and make sure it's rattlesnake season and you can have a rattlesnake in your back seat. <laughs> Let's do that. He was charged with uh, possession of stolen vehicle, transporting an open container of liquor, operating a vehicle with suspended license, and failure to carry security verification form. Whatever that is. Wow. He had a passenger, by the way, uh, and she was charged with possession of a firearm after a felony conviction. <laughs> you know, I should just probably stop the stupid criminal section. Does it get any better than that? I'd like the body cam footage off that, please. Anyway, all right, folks, you know, as we go along this journey together, I may say some things you don't agree with. Yep, as you can tell. Or maybe you do, or even have a topic you'd like me to cover. And thank you all so much for giving me so many topics that many times I mash into one podcast, and some of them are still uh, in the hopper to be done. You know, you may have a funny police story you'd like to share with me. I encourage you to email me at offthebeat at MotorolaSolutions.com. Give me your thoughts and ideas. Free form. I want to hear it. You, you, you got a you counterpoint? DJ, you're a moron. That's okay. But, but here's what I need from you. DJ, you're a moron, and here's why. Don't, don't just throw stuff. I, I work very hard not to just throw stuff. I, I, I find, I research, I, I find scholarly articles. That's what I want you to do too. Find the articles, find the proof, find it, and send it to me. And you know what? I'll more than likely read it because I want this to be a place where we can talk. Always check out my Twitter page at DJ underscore off the beat. Until next time, my friends, stay diligent, stay educated, and stay safe.